If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Joan Van Ark. How's, <laughs> how's that for your introduction today, Joan? Well, how about shaky, shaky hands here? That's a, that's a, a fantastic intro, uh, way over long, but no. Well, sure. listen, I'm glad that you're here. I mean, I usually am in New York City. I'm in the Hamptons. I'm still in the Hamptons for the summer. New York me- City is where I was born. I love New York, New York, New York, New York. I think LA and New York are the, like, what, the centers of COVID and the aftermath. And this world of ours and this business of ours, Showtime and all We've been in, I think we've been impacted the most with the new normal and the new way to do things. And I don't think they'll ever film anything or do anything other than in your house. I do voiceovers a lot. You do it from the house in my daughter's closet with lots of clothes all around me to, you know, mask out or take out the bad sound. It's like you get used to it. Like I have to say at first, but now it's like, I love being home. Well, I'm not, see, I'm Gemini and that's outdoors and freedom and running. And uh, so I'm not real good with that. My husband is cancer and not has cancer, but is cancer. And uh, he's a homebody and loves it. And he's loved this whole thing. Do you know that I'm a Gemini too? So when is your birthday? June 16th. I'm June 9th. Well, that's pretty close. Do you know, and a really good friend of mine from high school, she's June 16th. Well, you know what? I uh, you gave me chills because I think all these signs and as uh, as, astrology, uh, what is it? Astrology. Uh, astrology. Thank you very much, Blondie's an idiot. But all of those uh, you know traits of certain signs, you can almost know. Somebody walked up to me once on the street. Maybe it was in New York where you're getting people coming at you all the time, and said, "You're Gemini, aren't you?" Now I don't think they knew it was Joan Van Ark, but but the thing is, there's a an aura. It's energy. And my best friends are male uh, Geminis. I mean, friend, friend that I love. David Dukes was a brilliant actor that I did a play on Broadway, School for Wives, opposite with uh, Brian Bedford, who got the Tony that year. And it was my Tony nomination. And David was Gemini. And I've never loved, I mean, truly loved as a buddy, not let's go to bed, but loved is a male Gemini. They're the best friends ever. Geminis get along with each other very well. I, that, all my uh, friends are Geminis. Yeah. Really? So that's like an already known thing that Blondie didn't know about? I'm just saying that because it's true. I mean, I don't know if everyone else I agree. Knows it, but it's, it's I agree really totally. true. But it's better if it's, <laughs> it's of the male variety and not necessarily g- girlfriends, but Geminis. Geminis. June, June Geminis, especially that I've, I've noticed. Um, right. 
the money on the money. Okay. Give me five. The May Gemini's are not the fist bump. Like the May Gemini's are not the same. They're just not the same. No, they're not. They're, I think what's the sign before that Aries? Taurus. Taurus. Oh, yes. Oh, Uh, Sagittarius kind of, or what's the one around Christmas time? Mm, That's, I think so. That's where I lose it. I'm not sure. Whatever. Did you know, you know, speaking of being from New York, I know you went to Yale drama school. Like, did you know you always wanted to be an actress growing up? Like, was there ever a moment where you're like, maybe I'll go down this road over here instead? No, uh, the only other thing would be interior decorating because I love to make, I had flowers here, tulips I love, orange, but it messed up, you know, it wasn't great for the background. How do I look is what it's always all about. But I was 14 years old and Russell James, the quarterback, on our high school or junior high, I don't know what, uh, 14, whatever that is. Uh, he, uh, I went away on spring vacation. When I came back, the prom was upcoming and he asked D, I don't know her last name, to the prom, not me. I came home, learned that, was so like heartbroken maybe, and just thought it was a slam dunk. I was going to the prom with Russell. No, he took D. And I said, oh, okay, the hell with guys, I'm, I'm gonna go. And on a whim, my mother drove me out to the Nomad Playhouse in Boulder, Colorado, where I grew up, born in New York, but grew up in Colorado. And I auditioned for The Mad Woman of Shio, which is a, a famous old school play. Um, and you could hear a pin drop after I did my audition. It was the waitress and she was very young and naive and la la la. You could hear a pin drop and I, you know, I looked around and it was, there was something that happened. I got chills right now just talking about it because it's, it, it felt like I belong here. I'm going to get verklempt even because it was so, so still and so attention right here. And I thought, who the fuck? You can needs, say it. It's okay. Who needs Russell James? I got the theater and I stayed and I did that. And then I next did the Glass Menagerie. Uh, Tennessee Williams, I'm playing Laura, which is a, if not a lead, close lead uh, in the play. I just never stopped. After 14 years old from the Nomad Playhouse, through high school doing plays, and then got a scholarship to Yale Drama School at 18 years old, straight out of high school to, to the graduate school. And I was there with all the graduate students. And that was because of Julie Harris, who played my mother, as it turned out, on Knott's Landing, was a, which was a gift to the acting gods and the gift to the Joan Van Ark gods, that she ended up playing my mother because she facilitated my meeting with the dean when I was 14. My parents drove me from Boulder, Colorado to uh, New Haven, Connecticut. And I met with the dean and they awarded me the second co- scholarship after Julie Harris. Wow. Just fate, something. Wow. And then I know, you know, you had a lot of parts, you know, after you graduated, like, you know, little small parts, but obviously your breakout role was as valuing, you know, you started on Dallas when you got, you know, cause that was supposed to be like a one episode part, like, okay, come in. Someone yeah, has to play a guest Dallas. Almost. A go, a, almost like a guest. Did you think, okay, I'm going to go do a day of work and that's it? Or was there this buzz, you know, Leonard Katzman and Lorimar, like, was there a buzz around this show? Well, they had seen me or done something 
the, uh, an actress they had, I think, Carol Lindley, a, a model actress, um, they, they had cast it, but something fell out on it. And I was back doing Estee Lauder commercials in New York City, staying at the Plaza Hotel, busy in two solid days of recording. Estee Lauder commercials, Estee Lauder lips, Estee Lauder eyes, the Estee Lauder woman, you know, right on the cords. They called and said, would Joan like to do this part? And it was a guest at that guest part. And I thought, how in the world can I do this? And we put it off a week so that I could get home, get assembled and go on down to Dallas. But that turned into a 14 year commitment going from Valine and Gary in Dallas, Gary Ewing. So I was Valine Ewing into Knott's Landing in the cul-de-sac in California. And there you go. And it was a 14 year job, which Nowadays, uh, I think NCIS is the only one that's longer, and Gunsmoke, the two, two that are longer, one and two ahead of us, but forever. And Grey's Anatomy, maybe. I forgot what season Oh, you there. are right. You are yeah. absolutely right. Yes, indeed. That's snuck in there, because that's been going forever. I mean, imagine the, res- not residuals, because when you're paid big going through the door, you don't really get the big bonus residuals. That that's early on when you're a, a, a you know a, a, a continuous player and character in the property in this show. You just get that great salary each week, which was great, and uh, it, you know they don't give you the residuals. Do you re- do you have memories of the t- your time on Dallas? Because like even before Knott's Landing, like Val, you know Val came back. Like, do you remember like Linda Gray and Victoria Principal and Larry? Hatt- like, do you have memories of that? Uh, all kinds of memories, and uh, mostly about the heat. Hello, fellows, <laughs> ladies, because humid, hot to die for. And when you're inside, in fact, I had an Estee Lauder booking to go to New York, fly out of Dallas. And Larry Hagman and I had a motel scene uh, that I had to, it had to go fast and perfect so I could catch the plane to make the Estee Lauder job starting, you know, recording all day long the next day in New York. And it was so hot that both of us were swimming in perspiration and they always have to turn off all the lights and noises and machines and air conditioning in this tiny motel room. And I tell you, I dropped 10 pounds, both from fear of not making that flight and just the heat. So that was one of the biggest memories and pushbacks is Dallas is hot and muggy. Okay. Um, Larry used to do off camera. Larry was the prankster. He and Patrick together would put anybody away and, and cause the giggles. And I'm always so mm, serious, serious about doing the work and being the character and all the, the kinds of things. And Larry would do his off camera, which is like you are now, but just slightly that way so that I can play with the actor that, that did the scene with me in a single shot for me. And he would sque- squeeze peanut butter through his teeth and the peanut butter would come spraying, slurping out all over his mouth. I mean, how can I possibly, you know, Valine was high drama all the time. And how could I focus and think about that and see shoots of, you know, thin wedges of peanut butter coming out of his mouth? A real problem. 
Seriously. Well, like you said, it did end, it did end up being a 14 year job. Like what, how was that when you were first approached? Like, Hey, you know, you've been in a few episodes. We're going to actually spin. Well, it wasn't a few. We just did one. And then they started saying, would you come back? Would you come back? That's Dallas. Would you come back? How about coming back? And so I ended up doing several Dallas's when it was basically a one shot Uh, or they didn't know, you know, that's how they play it safe. Come in guest. And if you hit a home run more than you, we're going to, could you come back? You know, so, so that it just snowballed. And then David Jacobs, who actually um, wrote Knott's Landing before Dallas, uh, they went to David and said, you know, we're kind of liking what we see here with Gary and Val. What if we spun them off? Because he had pitched Knott's Landing and they said, no, we need something more glamorous. And then they did Dallas with all the, you know, unbelievable glamour and uh you know the furs and the jewelry and all the money um but dallas had taken off and was a big hit so they said let's try nas landing now so what was that like when you were approached like hey like you're on this dallas it's you know who shot jr was around that time the biggest thing we're gonna actually spin this off yeah i think dallas in a way always was a big deal. I mean, it got toward the end because they run out of stories after years and years and they run out of, I don't know what to say, viable potential. You can go just so long. I think something like uh, CSI or some of those procedurals or even Grey's Anatomy, there's traffic all the time of new patients, all kinds of traffic. But we were basically in the cul-de-sac, a small group, and Dallas was the ranch, South Fork. So it kind of kept it not claustrophobic by any means, but they run out of potentials. And so, um, you know, it, it was a kind of blessing that Knott's took another direction if you were a hardcore fan, that, that, that kind of helped both in a way. And Larry was, Larry and Patrick were the only two that guested on Knott's Landing. Patrick actually brought Gary and Val to the cul-de-sac. So they tied it in that way. They were all about, you know, cross cross pollinating if you will right but listen let's face it there's a lot of shows that are spun off of successful shows that don't necessarily that doesn't mean anything we all know that so when did it hit you that like wait a second we got lightning in a bottle here with Knott's Landing well Michelle Lee who was in the pilot for uh, Knott's Landing always thought it would never go because she'd done a bunch of pilots that just didn't go and I said no I got a feeling this will get picked up and it will go. But your question was, when did I know? The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I love all the DMs you guys send me about how you love listening to this podcast with a bottle of wine. Well, listen, fellow wine lovers, I need to tell you guys about First Leaf. If you're like me, you go to the wine store and you're like, it's such a hard decision to pick out wine. I don't really know anything about wine. And then you have to ask for help. And I don't know, I used to always get embarrassed, right? Because like, I'm trying to act all cool. Like I know everything about the world when I really don't. First Leaf changes all that because you go to their website and you take their quiz, they'd ask you like, what type of wines you like? Do you like whites or reds? What type of flavors do you like? And at the end, they recommend bottles for you. Then they deliver those bottles right to your front door. You don't have to go anywhere. And then as you drink the bottles, you give them feedback. So you'll tell them if you like a bottle or if you didn't like a bottle, and then they will hone in even further on what you really love. I have to tell you like all the wines they've shipped me, there's not a single bottle that I haven't loved. So you can sign up today and you'll get your first six bottles from First Leaf for only $39.95 plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash velvet rope. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash velvet rope to get your first six bottles for $39.95 plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash velvet rope. Now who listening is telling me that they don't want six bottles of wine delivered to their front door for $39.95? Yeah, like, you know, when did you know, because like we have a lot of spinoffs that don't go in. Like, when did you know, like, wait a second, this. Oh, might you mean be, that not landing was yeah, going to land? That it would be like as well, big as Dallas. Well, actually, the first year, it was a little up and down. It was a bit not shaky, just wasn't the rocket that Dallas was right away because of the glamour and the wonderful look of uh, Victoria, uh, Larry, Linda Gray, all these wonderful people that were on. Uh, it was a little more pedestrian. David Jacobs, who created both shows, said uh, uh, Dallas is a uh, not slanting is about us and Dallas is about them. Them is the wealthier contingent and the, uh, you know, flashy cars and flashy houses and this. Not slanting was a cul-de-sac of real people. And I think that's why it was so wonderfully strong and wonderfully touching if and when it was. And it seems to me a, sh- a shame that they haven't made an attempt recently to revive or to have a retrospective or a chit chat like we did a couple times for CBS. It, it baffles all of us why Knotts hasn't been reapproached to kind of just have a reunion of sorts, either scripted or, uh, you know, a big couch in the living room, chit chatting, having fun, the core cast. There's a bunch of, bunch of wonderful actors. I would like to know that myself, actually. Well, really, it's been truly, and this one makes me pass out and want to touch up. It's been 40 years since uh, Knott's premiered. That's a long time and no read. Well, a couple of episodics and one chat. But we do a chat, if nothing else. These are wonderful people, you know, that were in the show. Bill DePayne and um, uh, Michelle Phillips. And, you know, there was a rainbow of wonderful wonderful actors but wonderful people and I don't know why has there like there was never because like you know you were in Dallas 2.0 on TNT I mean you made a guest appearance there's never been a like let's just do a full scripted reboot of Knott's Landing well that would be amazing because you know it's kind of fun to check back and let the actors and actresses, well, everybody loves to say just actors. I think actresses are a special breed and deserve that separation. But bottom line is, because the cast was such a rainbow of people to see how they've 
you know, I want to do Joan, Don, and Michelle. That's one of the things I was going to bring up of what we're working on going forward. Uh, you know, not in the rest home by any means, but but aged and where they've gone and what they've done. I'd love Val, who was, you know, poor Val, you know, to be the CEO of some incredible, wonderful Silicon Valley, whatever, because that's close to the cul-de-sac. So Silicon Valley wouldn't be a a hard drive. It would be quick, but I'd like to see where Abby is, where, where Gary is, where Val is. Are they still together? Who knows? Yeah. I think a lot of people would like to see all of that. Well, we've heard that, but then CBS, God love them. Uh, Cause I just did a CBS thing Saturday night, which I'll get into, but. <laughs> that sounds, was there a certain storyline of Al's that kind of sticks out, you know, like. Oh, oh, if I'd known you were going all these, I have pictures down in my office here in the house, getting the twins back, the whole twin story. And it's the only time Blondie wants to take a bow that Knotts was number one uh, in the Niels, in the ratings, number one show of the week. I am so proud. I will take that to my grave saying, thank you, God, because it, I, that story went deep for me. It, she always went deep for me until they had me boiling crawdads in the kitchen for the kids dinner. Cause they had Valine toward the end. That's when they were out of stories going off the deep end and cooking crawdads for dinner. Gary and the two twins right. and Valine's forking down crawdads that she had boiled in the, on, the st- on the stove. I don't know. That to me is beyond. I said, this can't be done. And they said, oh, you have to. And as an actress, like that season, that story, like leaving the cul-de-sac, right. It was so emotional. Like that has Oh, and going down to Nashville, Tennessee, why she got, she got her accent back because she was back. She was Irma. They, They say, when you go through a thing like that, where you revert to somebody else or something else, you use the initials of your real name. And it was Verna, Valine Ewing was Verna Ellers. And I was a waitress down in a diner in a a tacky restaurant in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, I think. And Donna, God love her, Abby, of all people, Abby, her arch rival, comes and finds her and because she wants her to get back with the twins, which Donna, to her credit, went to David Jacobs and said, when it turned out Abby stole the twins, she made that happen. Donna went in there and said, I can't do that. That's not right. She wouldn't, Abby, even Abby, with all her scheming and whole number, would not do that babies to mama. And she facilitated that. And that's, that's the depth of Donna Mills and Abby Ewing, a, a what signature Bravo character. Wow. And what a great set that you couldn't like walk into like a David Jacobs or, you know, show runner. Oh, yes. You are bringing again chills here because that does. That is so right. When you can go to what I call daddy, the director and the producer writer. And David sometimes did all three wrote, produced and directed some of the episodes. But when you can walk in and tell daddy. This doesn't feel right. And they hear you and they honor you and they do it. That's gold. That's what? a gift to an actor. Period. The end. Period. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, a lot of people go to work on a great show like this, and I'm glad you're getting chills. Now I'm getting chills, you know, and you have great colleagues and then you go home at night and you wave goodbye. And sometimes you go for a drink, but now let's talk about, you know, what you and Michelle and Donna have in the real world. I mean, all these decades later, still best. That is so uncommon, especially in Hollywood. Uh, On every level, you are 100% right. We have become closer in since it, it wound down since, since the knots was canceled not yeah of course it was canceled but but since knots was no longer our daily almost uh, or, or there thereabouts we have become closer and we've done things together we've done a couple down in palm springs at this club that has um actors of note lonnie anderson and you know, the, the the list is endless but many heavy duty players who go down there and for an evening show clips of some of their things and uh, have a chat with the audience, a Q&A and an autograph session after. It's a package they do. They pay pretty well. And we've done it a couple, three times. And it's always been to a full house, which thank God, knock, knock. The last one, as a matter of fact, it was two nights. It was Friday and Saturday because it's uh, Oscars down in Palm Springs. And um we've gotten closer. What can I say? Donna adopted a a child, but that was after she left the show. But, but bottom line is we followed each other and stayed with each other. And it's, it's kind of like, maybe it's not high school, but it's college. We had college and now we're still college, not roommates, but the next best thing. And that's invaluable, I think in this business. And you're right in Hollywood and in the business. It's really hard. And uh, it's funny because I have a mutual friend in common with Donna. That's how she came on this podcast. And I was going to go with this mutual friend to those shows in Palm Springs. But like, oh, you're the, kidding. The timing didn't work what out was, for me. I, it didn't work I knew out. him. Gregory Zarian. He's in he's an actor. Oh, Zarian. I think you know him. Yeah. He's really good friends with Donna. Yeah. I mean, he's not makeup or hair or any of that. No, she doesn't. No. Need it. She does herself. She Although does she sounds somebody new, she told me which she doesn't need because she does her everything herself. God love her. God producers. That's why they kiss her when she comes, you know, through the gate and go, goes to the set. Um, she's halfway there. In fact, all the way there when she goes to rehearse on the set. Uh, but there are people in, in her past or it, it, that you run into and you, and you see, and you think, wait a minute, that this family goes on and on and on and on. But I think we're blessed Joe, Michelle and Donna to have had, that time as a first base and now we're into second and third base and we're going to continue to work together and it's such a are you shocked at like just how like you said those shows sold out i know when you guys go out to dinner all three of you together there's a lot of fanfare heads are turning like are you shocked at just how much interest there still is in this well i'm not as aware of that because i i run every night i my workout my shrink i don't see a psychiatrist and i'd be a a festival for a psychiatrist for sure. But I go and, uh, you know, what I call flush the toilet by taking a 10 mile. And now the time is reduced because with COVID I've been going every single day without a break at all. Uh, so I'm like burned out, but, but I, I, I've done, uh, oh, now I've lost the track of, cause I always go to the side thing, but uh, they don't so much. Cause if I'm doing the thing, it's a ponytail there's no makeup. It's just, a, you know, whatever, not sweats, but tights and you name it. So I think 
it's less than it was say initially. And it might be true if I'm in New York or I have a city where it's, I'm more Joan Van Ark the way that you know on that, but in this it's, you know, ponytail, sweats and do the 10 miles and nose to the grindstone. See, this is why we're Gemini's connecting because I say that all the time. Now, I don't run outside, but I run on a treadmill every morning at 5.30. So I do it in the morning, but I say the same thing. I don't go to a psychiatrist. I don't go to a therapist. I would probably be like a, a case study if I did, but people don't realize you run and it's like flushing the toilet. It's you flushing flush, the, do you, you say flush it, the toilet? I say that and I say, you, you get it all out. And I say, if I didn't do this in the morning, I can't even imagine- that you wouldn't want to be around me. It just, it's like a reset every morning. I love this because it is true. You get the negativity, the down, the dark. You get whatever is actually holding you back. You sort that out and see toward the horizon, if you will, ahead of you and go forward. And I, because I don't want to waste the money. I want to buy either a new outfit or more makeup. So- I, I don't want that. And I, I think I may go to my grave, but COVID has been a test like none other for me, for my personality. L- unbelievable. And I'm not out of it yet. Uh, I'm not proud of that, but I just can't shake it. And I think there are a lot more people who are anxious still because of the difference, but you don't hear about it until you hear here in LA of drive-by killings and drive by hitting people on bicycles or things, getting out of the car to see if they're moving. And even if they're not moving and they are dead, the car keeps going. I can't, that is every night in our news. And my husband is a uh, former NBC news reporter and anchor. And all the stories are very black. Now that's mostly what's out there but we're both aware of it on very different levels. Me, because it's my inside, my heart and soul that goes out to the, and the people to the Florida situation right now. I oh know. my goodness. And I'm worried about my eye makeup. Come on. <laughs> Using Talkspace to me makes me feel like I have a mental health professional with me at all times. And I freaking love that. Talkspace offers both therapy and psychiatry and being able to reach out to my provider at any time Anywhere makes taking care of my mental health super easy. You guys know I'm never in one place for very long and I'm so relaxed when I'm traveling and I'm away and knowing that I need to talk with my therapist, all I have to do is send a message from wherever I am. Look, therapy isn't easy, right? And dealing with mental health head on, it's a challenge at times, but connecting with my therapist isn't and shouldn't be. You can sign up online for Talkspace and you get a personalized match with with a provider that's right for you, typically in no more than 48 hours. How great is that? And they have thousands of licensed therapists with over 40 years experience in all specialties, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, and so on. Relationship issues. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash velvet to get $100 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash velvet. Can you believe Thanksgiving is next week? And you know what that means? Then the holidays. Here's the problem I have with holiday shopping. I went on to lululemon.com the other day to buy my gifts for everyone. And I seriously was on this website for, I think, about an hour and a half. And I checked out and I bought not one thing 
for anyone else. And it's not that there wasn't anything for anyone else. It's that I bought everything for my damn self. It is literally my favorite brand. What I love about Lululemon is I love clothes that are so comfortable, but so stylish. There's there's joy in motion. Listen, their clothes move so well. And everyone I think always thinks of Lululemon for like working out and athleisure wear, which absolutely, but there's so much more. I got jackets there, pants, dress shirts. I just bought the cutest navigation down jacket. It's so comfy and it fits so well. Now I'm going to have to go back to Lululemon because literally I now have nothing for anyone else for the holidays. So for your holiday shopping, go to lululemon.com. You'll find everything you need for all the special someones in your life. Jackets, pants, shirts, so many great accessories. And again, the clothes are so freaking comfortable. That's lululemon.com. I I get it. I mean, I'm in New York City mostly. I'm going to be in LA for like January and February. So I'm there. Like our cities have both been hit hard. Like New York is very Chicago's a close third, but definitely New York and LA. It's like nowhere else. And now one thing that post COVID and they say post, I'm not sure. um, Traffic here in LA beyond. Because in New York, you can take a cab, a subway, whatever thing. I never do the subway, but uh, it's a car or a cab. But it's tricky. It's tricky. That's all I got to say. And I don't think I'm the only one still suffering. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's tricky. And yes, well, I'm going to be in LA in January and I don't drive. I know so. I'm going to say, you know, coffee, something because uh, two, Gem- <laughs> two Gemini's for 30 minutes, he'll get, we can take care of everything in 30 minutes and off you go. And so do I. Gemini's, so- our minds work. This is why we, oh, Gemini's get along because our minds work very fast. People think very we're fast. not listening. I'm like, I heard everything you said. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. But put it with a cancer. Because uh, that's my husband. He's cool, chill, you know, watching uh, the latest, uh, you know, shows on cable and you name it, all those great shows. I'm lucky if I catch a newscast because I'm so busy. I am much the same way. What is the best thing about being friends with Donna and Michelle? Like, what is what is like a typical night out for you guys look like? Well, it's it's all different because David has a, a David. Michelle has David, her son, Farentino. Jimmy Farentino is his father. And that was Michelle's first marriage. Um, it's different. Uh, Donna and Chloe and I have a say. We all three. I didn't realize. Whoa. All three have one child. Now. There's something in that kind of, but we are closer because we went through a lot together in the work scene and now life has taken over and other jobs and other things, but there's something about, it's like going home for Thanksgiving or something. There's a touchstone of the similar needs and adjustments. And I remember Donna called me once and she had had several dear friends uh, and, and uh, I think a, a doctor friend, but had passed away. And she said, it's long. I'll never forget this. I was sitting in my car here. I go with the chills again. She said, it, it, she had three in a row, something like that. And she said, it's lonely. It's getting lonely where it was three people that, you know, none of us who are busy, see anybody regularly 25, you know, 24 seven. But when you lose one that is part of your heart and soul, and that happens in a row, that is lonely somehow. It's one thing with your mate, 
but it's another two with the ones that life brings you and your work brings you. And when those go, that's a big chunk of your DNA. And Donna and Michelle and I, I think have uh, intermixed somewhat the DNA. I, and I, the chit chat goes all over the place. It's all over the place. I love that. Well, you were on Knott's Landing for its entire run. I know you left like before the last season. Like I did a pilot. I had a young uh, Chris Maloney, gorgeous young guy, and it was an older woman and a younger guy. I thought if I wrote a script, I couldn't get something more wonderful. And because I wanted to be the Donna, I wanted to wear the short skirts, the legs showing the, you know, I, I wanted to own it that way. And Valine was, you know, had diminished to you know, boiling crawdads. So, and there was a rumor that this was in fact Knott's last year, which was, I guess it would be year 12. There was a rumor that it, CBS was, was thinking of pulling the plug. So the call came in from William Morris, which was William Morris at that time, that they were, wanted to see me over at NBC, which is in Burbank, way across town from where we were filming. I filmed because Michelle was directing that episode and jumped in the car and scooted over to NBC right across the way here from where our view in the valley is. And um, I auditioned and they loved it. And they said, bring her back one more time, which I did. And they said, we'd like you to do the part. That shocked me to pieces. But then I never knew there'd be a conflict uh, in that knots in my mind, in my, and William Moore should have helped me maybe a little on this, but um, it sold. And they wanted to do the, I mean, the network said, let's, let's see this. And uh, we filmed it during the hiatus for Knots because we were wrapping season 12 on Knots. And there it was picked, you know, picked up and looked at and the whole nine yards, we did the pilot and uh, it didn't sell. And uh, that, then, then they were upset and rightly so. It was uh, Leslie Moonves who was head of CBS at that time. And uh, I don't know if it's his decision or maybe David and Michael who were looking for a huge chunk off the bill for all the cast. Because by that time, it was a big fat year for Gary and Val were the two first characters. So we were getting, you know, great salaries. Yeah. Not a, not a pretty picture. But I went off and did a play in uh, at La Jolla Playhouse with Des Mackinoff, who's gotten a bazillion Tonys, a brilliant show. Stana Kadik was my daughter. There were all kinds of wonderful people in this and it gave me a workout. So I did a bunch of plays and that kept my pilot light going more than my pilot light because theater is the real deal. Theater is the real deal. Did you regret that then? Like the way it all turned out or are you just one of those like- No, I was hurt, deeply hurt that I wasn't saved in any way, in any way by either, well, people that could have made this okay. But I was hurt and it was my family and they didn't, they didn't get canceled. See, that's the other thing. Knots didn't get canceled. I thought, wait a minute, wait, what? You know, but um, no, I'm not going to lie. It, it was, it was a, a faux pas and a huge pain, but a pain in my heart. Uh, but then the year I did many other things and stretched myself and did all that. Um, um, and then sure enough, when they did know that it not, which was the next year, 14, because 13 was without me, 13's gotten lucky anyway, Gemini. I wouldn't touch that. So that was on purpose. But 14, 
They brought me back. I directed a couple episodes, continued to do my directing, a couple episodes directing, and then I came back for the uh, final two-hour bye-bye. So I felt it, it, it still hurt my heart, but it, it came out spelling mother. <laughs> so it was yes. Like, do you, is it great to play a character for that long? Or is there some of that, like even now, like with Grey's Anatomy, like Ellen Pompeo is like in a reduced role this season. She's like, look. Is she reduced? She's reduced. I think it's like eight, which I, I can't even bring did myself. Did she choose that or did did they? She, I believe she did. I believe she. Well, she's good. She could burn out because. Yeah, she, she said she's, like, I mean, she's. It was the heartbeat, isn't I mean, I don't yeah. watch. I don't watch really any TV, which is terrible because I don't have a, I, I fly by the set whenever Jack, cause we have television sets all over the house. I see it and, and, and what I really notice and Blondie better watch this and, and learn idiot. Everything is where it used to be glamor and makeup and all. It's the real look real and look you don't see a lot of over the top you don't see dynasty you don't see falcon crest you don't see the those kind of women that that you don't see that anymore it's kind of bare bones and that rather terrifies me but it also challenges me that it says whoa wouldn't that be just great i'd love to do a bag lady or meryl streep did a thing with jack nicholson and she was a bag lady homeless and when I go running, I had a guy say, make a question that, you know, implied, was I homeless? Because I'm not, I'm trying not to be me, Joan Van Ark, because that is my maiden name. That's my birth name. And try to be something that isn't. But what about playing something that isn't? You know, that to me. That would be a gift. Again. Yeah. But a bag lady, or for a while, um, Katie Seagal, I think, did a biker. And I looked to her because I thought, hmm, something with boots and a, you know, uh, what do you call those really high-end motorcycles? I'd have to learn to ride the damn thing. But I, I, I think that's for an actress. That's a that's food. That's food. Soul food. Playing against type, yeah. Yeah, really, really. Well, that's what I was thinking, like, you know, like, cause you were there for so long, like, I would think it's great, you know, the character, but at some point you must be on autopilot in some Well, respect. no, I never, no, I never, I never felt autopilot. That may be because all of us as actors uh, continued to find the work and find the nugget. But, you know, after uh, I, it was storylines more and and maybe it was autopilot that I didn't, I wasn't even aware of, but I always took her very seriously. And I was somebody else for a while. Sometimes I'd bring it home with me. If I'm doing a TV movie and there are a lot of people who do movies, actors who stay in character and won't talk to anybody on the set or any uh, crew member without staying in character because you can't laugh and scratch and make jokes and then come back and say, my baby died. You know, first, just really go full out. I don't think, Sally Field was the only one I worked with that that I could see do that. She'd be talking about tampons and when you had your last period. And then they'd say, uh, actors, uh, clapboard, let's go. And she'd be in it in a second. God love her. Never forget that. Wow. What was working with Sally Field? I mean, that must have been great. 
it was, we didn't pal, you know, the whole time, but if we happened to be chatting and be on the set and maybe between a quick change of lighting or something like that, I got to know and feel she's, she's wonderful. She's, she's complete. She's not just all one level, which some actors are just don't talk to me or, or that's one kind and stays in character or one that's trying to do Michael Landon, trying to do jokes every 10 seconds jokes and that Larry Hagman spit the peanut butter between the teeth and drop your trow and you know all the stuff they just love that but that keeps an actor who has an emotional scene keeps you pretty far from home base but Sally could do it wow she did this pillow is showing did you no it looks good did you work closely like you know you talk about like you know the rich characters that came and left the cul-de-sac like did you have a lot of scenes. I can't remember, like with Alec Baldwin, like oh, Nicolette Alec. Sheridan. Oh, 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 is that a good oh, Joan? Or is that like a bad oh? I'm so confused, but oh, we get into it. I want to know what Joan thinks about what Alec Baldwin is going through now. Don't you guys? We talk all about that. We talk more about rebooting. You're not going to believe the A-list actress um, that Joan wants to play Valine Ewing if not Landing started over. And then she just has a random story out of nowhere that she remembers about Brad Pitt and Leonardo that involves Quentin Tarantino. Joan has so many great stories. So stay tuned for part two. We'll pick right back up where we left off talking about, I really want to know what she thinks about Alec Baldwin. And thanks for listening to this part one chat with the one, the only Joan Van Ark. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you, guys. See you soon.